0: Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. I am so insanely excited about this episode. I don't even know where to start. This week is with Zach Carper, who is in a band called Fiddlar, but he is also an incredible producer. And the reason this episode was so good was we had this really, really good conversation about the future of music and what inspires him and kind of breaking these rules and how stale rock got and what all these new genres are doing and what these artists are doing to push these boundaries. And and not only that, like we talk all about that and it was incredibly inspiring, but we also get into his early days story where he he grew up in Hawaii and he has this Wild backstory, he got into all sorts of trouble, and really music was the only through line in his life that kept him going. So for that reason, I feel like anyone listening to this podcast will draw some amount of inspiration. I certainly did. I'm incredibly inspired right now. And I thoroughly enjoyed his story. I enjoy who he is as a person. Everything was really, really cool. So I hope you enjoy this episode. If you do, share it with your friends. It helps it get discovered. And I just want as many people to hear this story as possible. With that said, let's get right into it. Here we go. Where are all my friends? I'm stoked on this episode because we are sitting down with Zach Carper. And I love episodes where I kind of know people or I don't really know people at all. And this is definitely that. Like I've known Fidlar for a minute, but I really didn't know the, the depth of who Zach is and like what he's doing even past that. And then a friend of mine like really put it on my radar and I was like, oh shit, this is it. I need to know. And you were down to do it. So thank you for that, bro. Like These are seriously some of my favorite interviews.
1: Anytime, man. Anytime I can talk about myself, great. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But yeah, for anybody listening who doesn't know who you are, just super quickly before we get into it, like who you are and what you do.
1: My name's Zach Carper. Um, I bark and play guitar for a band called Fiddler, And I also... Mess with music and sounds and, you know, there is no spoon. There are no rules. So.
0: <laughs> there is no spoon. Damn it. That's a good reference. Yeah. Um, but no, dude, like that's like one of the first things that I wanted to get into and talk to you about is kind of in doing my loose homework on you. Like whenever I have a new guest, I like to do some amount of research, but not too, too much where it feels contrived. But I noticed this really interesting thing about you where like you have this crazy past and like growing up, like it seems like you just had this wild life, and you do have this like, yeah, fuck it, there's no rules. But you've also made that into a thing where it works and you actually create shit. And there's some amount of a method to the madness to a degree where a product is turned and it's sick. It's definitely madness. I don't know much of the method. (laughs)
1: But
0: (laughs) (laughs) no, but like, it's just interesting to me. And I think another cool parallel is though a lot of the music that you write and produce is not really at all in the lane of like any type of like SoundCloud, hip hop, underground, anything there. There's so many parallels and like something like a scene that I've been obsessed with is just like the actual like DIY alternative underground scene. And so many of the principles and so many of the things you do where you're like, yeah, fuck it. Like, just send it. Like, I love it, and it applies so closely to that. So I'm so curious to get into your perspective there and just see that because it's oddly very, very similar, I think.
1: Wild, wild. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like the whole SoundCloud world and stuff like that, you know, it's like, when that stuff started hopping off, like popping off and shit like that, like, I mean, to me, that's, that was the new generation. That's punk rock. Like, There's nothing more punk rock than a fucking laptop. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it, I, I've never been that kind of person that's like, oh, a punk band needs to be guitar, bass, drums, and vocals, you know? It's always been a part of the creative process is the, um maybe we don't need drums, or maybe we can do fucking, you know, MPC shit or 808s or whatever, you know what I'm saying? So it is like this, not theory or just like this belief I have if like there are no rules, especially
0: now in 2020. (laughs) Yes, dude. Well, it's like it's that. Like I think that you need some amount of a base of understanding, right? Like you have to at least understand maybe the beginning of what rules are to start. But then the more you can challenge that and break that and do your own thing, I think that's like when you're actually making cool shit. And you start to listen to certain music that's just, like, so formulaic and it's so boring. So anything that, like, has that, like, yeah, we broke the rules because we wanted to kind of vibe, I'm really here for. Yeah. But uh, to start it off proper, I'm really curious of, like, more of your backstory. I know you were – you grew up in Hawaii, right? Born and raised, 808. And you – you had like a pretty crazy like childhood right
1: yeah it's pretty wild it's it's weird because like a lot of people that i grew up with is like they're like oh that's kind of normal but coming to the mainland as we call it you know hawaii's out there dude it's in the middle of fucking nowhere all right like it's out there you know coming out here it was just kind of like a Real culture shock for me.
0: When did you come out here? Uh, I moved to
1: California when I was sixteen.
0: So, like up until sixteen, you were purely in Hawaii.
1: I was in Mexico for a year. I was in this program called the WWASP. It's like uh, out. They were outsourcing to um, Mexico uh, juvies.
0: What the fuck?
1: Yeah. Okay. We were like the first. We like us and a group of kids were like the first like test subjects on it and it it was it was shitty but you know learned a lot about life tell you that much
0: how did you end up in that situation
1: Uh, a lot of stupid shit a lot of drugs a lot of you know like where i grew up is a tourist town you know and it's just kind of one of those things where there's a bunch of tourists being disrespectful to your land you know and sure i'm gonna steal their pt cruiser cool (laughs) A
0: PT Cruiser. You could have stolen any better car. Oh no, wants it's, a PT It's a rental. It's all rentals. Oh, you know, I guess
1: I guess. <laughs> they yeah, got that insurance. Damn. They got that shit. Like whatever. But you know, it, it was it was a weird place to grow up. It was a beautiful place to grow up. What I loved about it the most is that it was so multicultural. It's the most multicultural mm-hmm. place in the world, and I actually feel. Like I'm normal there, as opposed to everywhere I go, everybody looks at me being like, "Hey, what race are you? What ethnicity?" Duh, 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 duh. And I just say I'm from Hawaii, and they go, "Ah, okay, okay."
0: okay, okay. Hi, oh, <laughs> dude! Surfing, cool, cool. Yeah.
1: yeah no, yeah.
0: but I like I do. That's that's really interesting to me. Like I kind of grew up, like I grew up in Florida, like by a beach town, and I definitely understand like the whole touristy vibe. Yeah.
1: I've always thought that Florida is basically Hawaii, you know, it's like the same thing, you know, it's just, you just got like white people. And then in Hawaii, you got like brown people, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just this weird kind of similar equator people, you know, closer to the equator.
0: Dude, I like, I mean, I haven't been to Hawaii, but I do know that feeling like Florida does have its own kind of ecosystem in itself. I love Florida. I love Same Florida. bro. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I get a lot of shit for that. Not a lot of people do. No, it's fucking Florida slaps. Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't know, again, tell me if Hawaii is like this at all. I feel like in Florida, there's like, sure, there's laws and rules, but also there's not really laws. And like, you can yeah. pretty much do anything. Yeah. Like you can like tape flashlights to a dune buggy and drive around exactly. and people are like, yeah, hey, fuck
1: it. You can dirt squirrel <laughs> around for sure you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. But like okay, so going back to Hawaii. So, what was that early like what were those early days? Like what did you like were you interested in music at all or like were you just like
1: Yeah, I mean like from the beginning, you know, it was um computers and music. Uh oh. I think music be- was first when I was a kid, my my grandpa was a professional musician, put me in front of a piano, I started playing piano. Um but then my grandpa also was uh, uh, electronic engineer so got into like working with computers and stuff like that and um, yeah and then I think I've always written songs I've always like wanted to write songs and shit like that growing up but really what happened was like building my first computer and then learning how to use a program like the I think the first program i used was uh fl or fruity loops when it was called fruity loops you know yes. <laughs> and um and then there was like sonar and cakewalk and all these like programs that we had uh so yeah that was kind of like my first addiction was like recording music and messing with sound and like you know how do i make it weird how do i make it da-da-da-da. And then the whole lyrics and melody and kind of stuff just kind of came out because of just singing about things that I'm going through.
0: That makes sense. That's so interesting with the computer thing, too, because I know that era so, so well of like, you can kind of like torrent programs and like building your computer and like just learning shit on your own. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. I didn't know that at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was like trying to study to be like a programmer. I was like studying this language called the Python for a yeah. while. And I was like really into it. And I thought I was, I thought that was going to be my path. Um but uh you know technology moves so fast that once I went to Mexico and I came back and I was just like I don't know what's new now. You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, Hawaii is like 10 years behind on everything. Like
0: oh, shit. <laughs> it
1: takes a while for things to get there, you know?
0: whoa so like at that like at that point you kind of just realized you're like damn like i can't properly keep up with what's relevant
1: yeah yeah and i just kind of felt more into music than anything you know i think that's really what i needed to do because staring at a screen all day looking at code that's tough life
0: Dude, it's taxing. It's taxing. So did you, did you start, like, did you ever record anything in Hawaii or was it until, or was it once you got to California?
1: No, it it was, I mean, since I was like 10, 11, you know, um, I had an easy bus, little eight track easy bus thing. And, um, yeah, I was just making songs on it and, Uploading it to
0: purevolume.com. <laughs> no shit, dude. So you were in it so early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy crap. Did you ever like upload stuff to like MySpace and all that? Did oh, you, like, yeah. Did you MySpace page?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full on.
0: Was it Fidlar to start or was there anything before that?
1: No, I mean, there's a lot of stuff before that. I was, you know, in Hawaii, there's not really a music scene other than, like, reggae and Hawaiian music, you know, oh, um, which crazy. Hawaiian music is a mix between reggae and Hawaiian music. Um, so there wasn't any, like, like I'm going to start a punk band or I'm going to, like, do a band. Duh, duh, duh. Um, it was just more of an experiment, you know, and boredom and, you know, not fitting in and you know, I'd wear my sister's clothes to school and people would be like, Oh, what's up, bro? You, wh- why you wear your sister's clothes? You know, I'm just like, ah, I, just, I feel like it. I don't know. Jeez, leave me alone.
0: <laughs> Dude, it's, it's just funny because you paint this picture of Hawaii and like, I get it. It's so different yet. It's also, I relate to so much of the fact of like finding computers, finding your interest or whatever, and then just doing you and people not understanding. Like, I feel like that's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. So then with that, when you were, like, how did you find influence? Like, how did, if that was all the music that was on the island?
1: Well, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, the library.
0: No shit.
1: (laughs) The library. um, You know, it was, I mean, we, in Hawaii, like, we didn't have fast speed internet, like, broadband internet till way later, so... I mean, we were doing like, you know, Napster. That was like a thing when I was growing up on the 56K modem, you know, like just trying to get something in, you know, but it really was the thing that like showed me music is KTUH uh, college radio. It's the only radio station I could get in my hometown, Um, 91.3. And it was all this weird electronic, hip hop, punk, pop, J-pop, K-pop, like just this weird eclectic taste of music, you know?
0: Holy damn. That's so how I really got that.
1: Yeah. I, you know, my closest record store was Walmart. <laughs> and I remember when Walmart opened up in Hawaii we were like, yo, let's go to Walmart on Saturday, dude. That's what we're doing tonight.
0: <laughs> it was like the thing. That
1: was the thing.
0: holy shit bro so like how old are you now 33 okay cool I'm 29 so yeah like a little bit before so yeah pure volume you were like ahead of me on that because I remember people had pure volume Mm -hmm. but my first thing of that was like more so MySpace music yeah and I remember we would torrent stuff on Napster and Kazaa I remember like you'd find a band for us. It was like Linkin Park or something like that. And you try to download it and you search and you search and you think you get it. And then you open it up and it's like Soldier Boy promoting himself. Yeah. and You're like, damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: So did you like, did you have an artist name or like, okay, you're going to Walmart, you're buying an album. Like. Was it just you'd hear the radio station shout something out and you're like, all right, I need to find more stuff like this? Like, how do you even know what to search for?
1: Well, I mean, they had the little sections, you know, with the CDs like you can listen to, you know what I'm saying? Honestly, cover art too, man. That was a big one. Yeah, Cover art was a big one. And I remember uh, when Significant Other came out, Limp Bizkit, and I was like, I'm going to buy this just because this cover looks fucking sick, dude. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So it was was a lot of trial and error. It's a lot of, you know, uh, it's just a different era, you know. It was a different time. And not only that, it was in a place that is so secluded from the rest of America, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I like I'm just I'm fascinated by that because I feel like people can go two insanely different directions by being from secluded places almost away from pop culture or culture. It's like you can become really your own artist and find the things that you're obsessed with and double down, or you can just never really know that stuff and never really care. Yeah. And that's like kind of the first point about you where I was so interested of like how the fuck do you have the taste in things that you do? And I kind of get it more now. So you then move, you said, at like 16, 17 yeah, to I'm, California?
1: I moved to Orange County, um, was living in a trailer with a skinhead. I was pretty sick. What the <laughs> fuck, bro? <laughs> It was horrible it was absolutely
0: <laughs> what made it what made you move in the first place? What were you like, you know what Hawaii's sick waves people paradise what about yeah, a trailer just, with a skinhead?
1: yeah, just getting into a lot of trouble, just just constantly getting in trouble, small islands, you know, everybody knows everybody, and it was basically like sink or swim at that point, you know, and I just saw I just saw it you know, kind of happen where I'm just like, you know what? I don't know if Hawaii is going to do this for me right now. Um, And it's hard to leave Hawaii. Like a lot of my friends, you know, like they, it's actually, we have like a really close group of friends that have left Hawaii that have become successful in the entertainment industry and stuff like that. Um, Because we all are from this er area that's like such a unique place in the world.
0: Well, so it's like you almost have this built in community or support system. Mm -hmm. It's like you'll instantly have a bond with somebody because they know exactly what it's like and you look out for each other when you're over here.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Damn. But that's so interesting, too, because like, yeah, you were getting into trouble, but there was clearly a drive where you were chasing something bigger. You're like,
1: yeah, it's it's weird because like, man, I was living in Orange County, going to outpatient rehab. And trying to get my life together, trying to get off of drugs. And then first time I visited LA, I was like, oh, I think this is more my scene. You know what I mean? Because I've always loved music. I always like, wanted to be a part of music in some capacity. I never thought I'd start a band. Never. Really? Never thought that. Um, but I wanted to be a producer. So Ooh. I knocked on a door at a studio called uh, Kingsize Sound Labs and knocked on their door. I was like, hey, do you guys need an intern? You know, I was like 17 at that time. And um, yeah, just just did that. Was, was, they said yes. Yeah, they said yes. Just sweep up. I was like the first intern. I was just sweeping. And they were like, hey, do you know how to use Pro Tools? I was like, yeah. I was like, went back home. Just like, what the fuck is Pro Tools? Like, how do I use Pro Tools? I don't know. Like, download Pro Tools. And
0: uh, Dude, you actually said two things that are, like, incredibly important right there, though. Where one, like, even though you had, like, whatever past, whatever trouble you got into, you took initiative. Like, you clearly thought to yourself, you're like, yo, I care about music. I want to be a producer. And, like, you took the initiative to go to a studio. Like, you saw LA. You're like, yo, I think I fuck with it here. You found a studio. You volunteered yourself to be an intern. And then when they asked you if you knew Pro Tools, you said yes. Which, like... (laughs) Seems kind of weird to talk about, but (laughs) I think that that's such an important lesson where like if you do have a desire to do something, you kind of do just like take that first initiative and then do whatever the fuck it takes to make it happen. That's really
1: like clearly
0: you cared. Clearly you were like passionate about chasing that.
1: Yeah. I. The joke in my band is like, I, I am definitely just the risk taker. Like I just go for it, like anything, like there's a bridge with a lake there. I'm like, I'm jumping off that bridge, like right now, dude, like, you know. Hold my beer, so, I'll be right yeah, back. Yeah, exactly. So it's definitely a risk factor, but also it's just like, I love music and music changed my life. And that was my only friend for the longest time, you know? And, and it's funny because it's like, probably not what people suspect or conjure up in their head of like what I grew up listening to or whatever, but I grew up listening to a lot of different things. I never heard of fucking punk music, like punk, like SoCal punk music until I was 18. And I met Elvis, um, our guitar player. And um, yeah, I'd never heard of Black Flag. and never heard of Minor Threat. and never heard of any of that shit. like. And I, he showed me black flag and I was just like,
0: fuck,
1: dude, I feel this, you
0: know, dude.
1: So. that's like,
0: it's almost, cr- it's crazy that you found it later. Cause it almost makes it that much more important. Yeah. Like you find music and you know, you love it. And then you find a whole new genre where you're like, wait a minute, it gets better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it was, it's wild. Like it's, 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 to me, it's just all about the inspiration. So if I'm like, you know, like that, that's what it was. It was at that time it was was Black Flag, Adolescence and, um, you know, these are all older bands too, but I was like skating a lot, surfing a lot. And in Southern California, just like, yeah, dude, I'm feeling this, like, you know, and I'm inspired by it. Like, I want to make music like this, you know?
0: Yeah. So was that when you started to think in your head, like, maybe I want to do more than just produce? Like when you were like truly inspired by that?
1: <laughs> no. So the story goes, uh, <laughs> I was working for this um, producer. His name's Rob Schnaff. Um, he's done The Vines, Mellow Gold by Beck. He's done El- all the Elliott Smith records. Like oh shit, That's huge, huge producer, respectable, huge producer. And he kind of like, he became like, you know, dad for a while, you know, and he taught me how to use like how to mic things up, how to compress, how to EQ, blah, 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 all that stuff. And, um, basically like I was working for him and I'd be the first one in and the last one to leave. Elvis was an intern. And, um, one day we were just like, uh, the, the people that, uh, Rob was recording left and you and elves were like, yo, you want to get fucked up and like just record some shit like with their shit, you know? <laughs> and that's just kind of how it all fucking started, you know? It's just like, all right, like bring some matter all over. Let's go, you know?
0: <laughs> and then just fucking doing it. And that yeah. was Fiddler. That's the beginning of it.
1: And that's the beginning of Fiddler, yeah. And it was- Are I, those
0: songs out? Like the songs that you wrote at that time?
1: It's basically the first record.
0: No shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I like that. So that's like, that's just honest. Like, that's just purely like your guys' first, like, this is what we feel like writing. This is what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it was, I became a studio rat, you know, I was in the studio 24 seven, like, and, you know, I had no life, you know, and on top of that, I was still addicted to drugs and coming in, in and out of that, like you know, trying to find my path in life and stuff like that. But, um, really I just would get lost in a studio and just get lost in sound. Um, yeah, it's like, kind of like Asperger's or some shit. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, as you're explaining it, I'm kind of freaking out in my head because it's so cool to me. Like, yeah, cool. You were struggling with whatever you're like fighting addiction or like getting into whatever but you clearly fucking loved music because I'm spacing his name already, uh, the producer that that taught you how to like, yeah. So Rob is like showing you how to do technical things and you're applying yourself and you're learning and you're the first one in and the last one out. So through it all, like you genuinely just cared about it. Yeah. And that's crazy. That's awesome.
1: I was also homeless. So I was sleeping in the studio. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm like making it all like wanderlust and glamorous. And you're yeah. like, yeah, it was also really easy because I had nowhere else to go.
1: <laughs> I had my Volvo or the fucking studio to sleep in. Wow, and, um, You
0: have a, an old 240 wagon? What yeah, do you I, have know, I had a
1: 240 wagon, 87, Let's babe. Go. Uh, Let's fucking go. It was sick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that was like kind of the beginning of my like start in this music industry or whatever. The, my career in this music industry. It is really just like you just go for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's yeah that it, that's really interesting because you make it you really simplify it in such a real way where you just did it.
1: Yeah, I get I get a lot of questions. I, I like I get asked a lot from people and stuff that like how do you cut through? How do you make it? That it does like. To to me, it didn't matter if you made it or not. It's like, as long as I was just doing it, like I don't care enough to like do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, or like be a fucking thing or whatever.
0: Yeah. Like you were never chasing the cred or the status of it. You were just like, here's this thing that I love. Yeah. And then like,
1: you know, I, we got like a, you know, I had like a collection of songs and that was basically a lot of the first record. And there's like 50 songs on YouTube um, before the first record, there's like deep cuts, all the B sides and stuff like that. Oh no, shit! And um, you know, working for a producer, you you are working twelve hour days, you know, three months straight. Like, and I kept, you know, asking like, Hey, can I take this day off to or night off to go play a show? Hey, can I do da da and he was just like, "Oh, what do you want to do, dude? What do you want to do?" I was like, "I want to be a producer." Oh, he
0: checked you a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: huh? he checked me, and he's like, "What? It's like I want to be a producer. I want to do what you do, you know." And um, he was like, "Best way to be a producer is be in a band." No shit. I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't think about that. He was like, I'll "Do you a favor? You're fired." <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah. So then, so like honestly
0: I've, massive props to him huh oh yeah like, it wouldn't
1: have happened without rob like my my whole music life would not have happened without rob
0: snap did you um, realize it at the time or were you pissed no like, i was stoked i was i
1: was, okay, I was okay, like, okay. <laughs> like all right <laughs> sick like I'm, just, I'm gonna deliver pizzas play house shows you know what i'm saying like get yeah. fucked up with my boys go party you know like Sick, dude, whatever, let's let's go, you know? And, and that's kind of when I really just doubled down on the band thing. I was just like, I'm gonna just do this right now.
0: Yeah. Dude, I'm like, I'm really like, I'm starting to like see the picture of it where, cause that's what I was so interested in about you is like, you're very open about like, yeah, I used to have this crazy troubled past, I've done all this crazy shit, whatever. But you're by no means a fuck-up. And, like, you've really done quite a lot. And I get it. Like, it wasn't this formulaic thing where you're like, Malcolm Godwell, 10,000 hours, network with this person, this, this, and this. Right. <laughs> you just truly loved music. And you just kept yeah. doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just
1: it's number one addiction.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Damn. It's my
1: drug of choice.
0: <laughs> 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 Damn. That's, yeah, that says it. Okay, so another thing that I'm really interested in, because I think you you kind of got us to the point of Fidlar, and I think the Fidlar story has been told enough where if anybody doesn't know it or they're interested, they can find plenty of interviews or whatever there. But now, like, you as a producer, because you said earlier that you would always, like, that was your first thing, was like, I'm going to be a producer. That's what I want to be you go and do the band thing and had... Well, actually, wait. I'm shortcutting this a little bit. You had pretty decent success with Fiddler. So where did it click? Like, how long were you delivering pizzas, playing whatever shows, to the point where it gets discovered and you're like, oh, shit, this is real?
1: It took about four years. No shit. Yeah, three or four years, you know? Did you Uh,
0: ever question it or were you just like, yeah, cool, I'm happy? Well, no,
1: not really because... You know, I think really when it started taking off for us, like with like our first tour was with the Hives and um, it was kind of like, oh, shit, this is a real thing now. Um, Max was still in high school. Our drummer was still in high school. He's 17. He was 17 at the time. And Elvis just graduated high school and he was going to college. So we made this kind of rule where it was just like, look, let's just fucking. Like destroy Los Angeles right now. You know, and like go to school, do your thing, finish that up. Like, I'm gonna keep doing my thing and keep making music and shit like that. And then once um, Max graduated high school and Elvis finished college, we were just like, all right, let's go, we're on the road. And it was pretty nonstop for about eight years.
0: (laughs) Holy fuck. That's crazy though, again, that you were four years deep before it started to be like full send touring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then for you, like going from island kid to then California, like when you get on tour, were you just like, holy shit, life is magic?
1: Oh, it was, it was, we call it PTBD post tour band disorder. Like okay. you just, you like, I mean, the amount of traveling we did was, you know, 250 shows a year, 40 flights in one year kind of shit, 20 of them international, oh like it was nonstop, like, and you we just kept it. going and kept going and kept going. And you learn a lot about the world like that, um, you know, and you're seeing everything and you just realize like how fucking small you are in the world, you know? And yeah, it was definitely a cultural change. I mean, changed my life full on. Yeah.
0: I mean, me too. Like when I was 18, I didn't really know what I was doing. I wasn't learning Python, but I thought I wanted to do like a job in like web design or something like that. So I was going to college, but then I was like kind of poor and I was like, damn, I could just Google this stuff and I don't have to pay for college. That seems better. Yeah. And then like, as I was doing that, my friends started a band. I like can't play to save my life, but I always liked music. They started a band like, Hey, you know, like business and stuff. Want to come sell shirts? And yeah. as soon as I was out in the van, like just doing merch, I was like, oh, this is it. And like, yeah. you see different, I was like kind of not sheltered in Florida, but I just didn't travel. I was just in Florida. So then like you see other things and you start to tour and you start to learn people. And at least for me too, learning, cause like, again, I wasn't like a musician, but I definitely kind of felt like a misfit and being on tour with other people that felt the same. Like you feel so much less alone and you bond with people and like, it really changed my life, like the perspective and everything we learned from touring.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a unique opportunity. I don't, I don't know if you want to call it an opportunity. It's kind of like a carnival, you know? You yeah. just like going and like doing all these festival circuits. you see all the same bands and everything. You make friends and then you don't like people and you have to see them. And you just, it's, it's just this weird weird life you know and, and that was basically all my 20s um looking back on it it's just like man i can't remember any of that but every now and then like i squeeze out a little memory in here
0: <laughs> yeah you're like oh wait all right that was fun cool yeah wow what yeah. a beautiful place that was i think yeah, yeah damn okay so that that's crazy and that's like those years that touring that's fiddler like doing the thing and you guys fully committing and it taking off and getting the notoriety that it did. Yeah. So then the point that I almost, I kind of jumped the gun, but you as a producer, because I think I recall in the bit of homework that you, like you expressed that you really have no interest in producing Fiddler.
1: Yeah. So I did the first album um, and that was, like you know, a lot of drugs. So like, I kind of made a pact to myself: like, I can't take that role because I know I'll spin out. You know what oh. I'm saying? Like, so the next couple Fiddler records, I was like adamant on: like, I need a producer. You know? Okay. And in this situation, I almost kind of looked at it as: as like, I want to work with people that I respect with producers that I respect and I just want to fucking learn. So I was just like sponging everything, like just looking like just a whole sponge, just like soaking up any knowledge I can get um, out of it. You know what I'm saying? Cause that's really where my love is, is in the studio. I love playing shows. Like there's nothing more fun than playing shows um, and entertaining. You know what I'm saying? But um, yeah, Writing music and making music is like, that's my number one.
0: Well, holy shit, because it's all making sense again. It's like the advice that Rob gave you. He's like, do you want to become a great producer? Be in a band. And now as your band has gotten more successful, you then get to go and work with producers that I would assume you respect the hell out of. Yeah. And then that's your mode where you can be in the studio and just absorb everything. So that kind of makes sense to me. And with the last album, you worked with Ricky Reed, right?
1: yeah yeah.
0: who is like on yeah, another <laughs> level?
1: Yeah, I know I, that was a, that was pretty wild. I mean, the amount of things I've learned from him in life, and he's just such a good friend, like he, I, I see him or like I talk to him a lot still, you know. Um, he actually he actually was an assistant or something on our first EP, I think. No shit. Yeah, he was just like, Yeah, you guys were like fucking 20 years old. Like, and he was he's a little older. He's like, Yeah, I was buying you guys a beer all the time and you guys just fucking cleaned house, bro.
0: <laughs> Did you remember that or were you kind of nah. just like, oh cool, <laughs> oh <laughs> my god, that's crazy. So was yeah. he like super hype when you came to be like, yo, like let's do this album? Like he remembered no, honestly, that and I was like, this
1: is it honestly, he hit me up and was like, hey, um, you know, through other people, like, I I wanted to get more into, like, the songwriting pop world and stuff. And um, he hit me up and, like, we were, like, you know, my manager came to the meeting and his manager came and sat down and there were, the managers were just talking about, like, like Spotify and, and Apple Music and all this shit. And I'm just, like, sitting there just, like, the fuck am i doing here they're like what <laughs> it's like yeah like do you guys want to talk about music or like fucking tech companies bro like
0: so you have like do you, you just don't give a shit on like the business tech side of music you're just like i, I want to make music
1: i do i just i hate sitting in a room with creative people talking about industry bullshit you know
0: got it yeah
1: and then ricky was like he cracked up and was like hey all right come downstairs to my studio and i me and him went to his studio and i he was just like play me some stuff you've been working on you know what i'm saying and like you know airdropped him some stuff and um or texted it i think it was texting back then and I, airdro- I need
0: you to be specific it's <laughs> the whole fucking story was it airdrop or text <sighs>
1: Yeah, and then like we started talking and then he was like, Yeah, I want to do a fiddler record. And I was like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, have you seen the other stuff you've done? Do you, yeah. you listen to it? Yeah. And I was just like, Why why? Like I because I, I I was a fan of wallpaper too, like his project. Mm-hmm. Dude, before. yeah,
0: that's how I I was on the Warp Tour that Wallpaper was on. And I was like, what exactly. is this? This shit's sick. Yeah.
1: It was this thing that just kind of happened, you know? And like, for me, it was just getting out of the way of myself, being totally open to any type of thing, because there's so much bullshit in rock and roll music. There's so much punk rock guilt bullshit in fucking punk music that like, for me, I'm already crusty as fuck. I need the polar opposites to somehow meet in the middle. And that's when something cool happens for me. You know what I mean? Yes. And Ricky's fucking legend dairy producer, most create, one of the most creative people I know. But it was mainly a friendship, to be honest. Like,
0: we just started hanging out all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah. Dude. Because that's like, so that's what I was so curious of is like, What did you learn? Like, okay, so you're obsessed with being in the studio and learning and working with other producers. He's like such a goat of just producers and has done everything. Do you feel like after that experience, you leveled up as a producer?
1: 100%.
0: Yeah. He taught me so
1: much. And I think the biggest thing that he taught me was after four hours, take a break. Really? (laughs) You know, it's like one of those things with like production and songwriting or whatever. It's like people have this idea of like, I have to spend 50 hours on this thing to make it sound good. It's like, actually, the things that sound great, you know, are usually the things that come out in an hour, you know. And that's kind of what happened with me and Ricky. It was like, I would go to, me and him would be in the studio and we'd be like talking about, songs or whatever and music and i pull up a voice memo you know and yeah just be like all right let's do that like and then we just make it you know what i'm saying
0: that's so sick and it's so sick honestly it's so sick that that's like his thought process because i think that's what makes independent underground music special is there's so much less overthinking and it's more just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, put it out. It doesn't matter. yeah So then it's like it works so well at the, like, the lowest, like, no stakes, but also at the highest stakes where it doesn't, it's not so produced and polished and overthought. So that's, like, really fucking cool to hear that that's the most important thing that you learned out of it, out of all the experiences and all the growth you've had. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is like also kind of my other point and curious to talk to you is like, obviously there's this whole new wave of just anyone can become a producer. Anyone can become an artist. Like you can really just have a laptop and make shit. So like right now to you, you did the first Fiddler album. You've worked with a bunch of producers. Like what inspires you right now? Like what are you excited about now? Where Like what is is that? So this is what
1: happened, okay?
0: Yes, please.
1: (laughs) Last year... No, maybe two years ago, two years or year and a half ago, we were on the road constantly in Europe doing the festival circuit. And we play a show and then we're like, all right, cool. We got to see bands and stuff like that. And then I've always been into electronic music. Like one of my like first records that I was like blown away by is this guy Boys Noise, Oi Oi Oi. Um and Daft Punk stuff. And yeah. I, I like all that ED, or IDM shit too, like uh, Mouse on Mars and Aphex Twins shit. Um, always been super fascinated by that music. And I started like noticing, I started gravitating more towards like the dance tents. <laughs> I was like- Oh, just 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 on like, festivals. You're like, you, yeah, know be, like you know, actually like, cause everybody's like watching Interpol, just like, um, you know, <laughs> cross-armed and just like, <laughs> Boring, (laughs) you know. Yes. Start going to these fucking dance tents, and I'm like, dude, these fucking people are way cooler. They're partying, they're dancing. The visuals are crazy, you know. Like, and the music is so intense. So that was like a year and a half ago, and I hit up my people, and I was just like, hey, I want to start working with DJs, you know. Yeah. And the first person that they set me up with was this kid Weethan um he was 19 i think it was 18 actually at that time and i didn't have a laptop at that time i like i like would i was on like mac pro you know or like a old you were like
0: studio guy like the whole setup
1: Yeah, yeah yeah um i get into the studio with this kid and he pulls up ableton and we make like six songs in like four hours he's so fast that he's like a fucking genius on this shit. And I was just blown the fuck away. It like unlocked something in my brain. I went yeah. back to my studio, sold everything and just got a laptop and just started using Ableton. <laughs> so Dude. that's what I've been using is Ableton for the past couple of years, making more dance music, you know, electronic music.
0: I like spiritually relate to your experience there because after I went from touring, like never played music, I went and worked at a record label Mm -hmm. and it was cool. Like I thought that that would be the thing. I was like, this is my next level up, whatever. And it was so slow and there was so much red tape. And it was like, this band has a music video. Now we need a press release and we need to plan it out this far and this, 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 and this. And I'm like, just drop it. What yeah. if you just dropped it? Yeah. And then I met all my other friends that were like more like independent, call it SoundCloud scene, mm-hmm. where they just dropped it. And they would do things so quickly and they weren't making these things precious. And it like it was just this moment of like, oh, this is it. Yeah. So like I get it. It was you had a that where yeah. you just like the significance and the rules of like it having to be this way is all of a sudden it's like, oh, we just made six songs on a laptop.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Holy well, fuck. Well, it's
1: it, it, it's also just like rock music is what the world we were in is like the most uncollaborative fucking genre in the world. It became so stale. It's so stale. And working with DJs and hip hop artists and R&B dudes like, and R&B people like, it's just like, these people are so collaborative. Everything just sending each other files all over the place.
0: Yeah, like it's not like this weird high school. Yeah. Yeah, like everyone's supportive.
1: Yeah, it's, it's ama- it was amazing to me. And that, that that happened a couple of years ago for me. And that w- was like, I'm not looking back. I want to be a part of the future. You know what I mean? And I want to piss everybody off that doesn't want to be a part of the future.
0: <laughs> yes, dude. No, I, I feel you though, because that's that's how it advances. That's how music grows. That's how it evolves. Like not by being like, oh, yeah, this is my claim to fame, and this is how we did it, and this is how it always has to be. Yeah. And, like, even to further back your point, I remember, like, again, not playing music, but going to shows for the first time. Like, it was rock shows, and, like, getting into mosh pits and being like, oh, this is fucking cool. Yeah. And, like, not, like, understanding it and just being like, wait, so you can push each other around, but then when you fall down, people pick you up, and, like, just that. And it was so real. And then – I remember being at a show, like a rock show in LA and like, again, everyone's Interpol crossed arms, whatever. And then I would go to these like more SoundCloud hip hop shows, whatever. And it was mosh pits and it was people freaking out and singing along. And like, it was punk again. Like it it was was what I fell in love with. And I'm so here for people like you, because it's like, if you're going to keep that spirit alive, it's not about a genre. It's about that community and that energy and pushing boundaries And it's like, it's Rock's own fault that it's so stale and shitty right now. But thank you for existing because it doesn't have to be that way. If there's people that see that and throw away the traditional rules, it's like, okay, we can bring this back or you can make cool shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, shit, rules are meant to be broken too, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, there's many times being on the road, just, you know, you play the same song over and over and over again. And I thought to myself was like, dude, if I'm fucking 50 years old, screaming cocaine running around in my brain, I'm going to fucking sh- kill myself, dude. Like, fuck. I just don't know if I can like it's, it's such a like section of my life. You know what I mean? And having to like perform these songs is like brings shit back and I'm just like I I just I want to move forward I want like I was saying I want to be part of the future yeah and that's kind of
0: just been where my head's been at dude that's so fucking cool though so like what in a perfect world now I guess it's a two part question because you do have a band and you're also a producer but like what do you want to be working on right now like is there any like specific genre where you find yourself like just excited again where you're like yo what if I did this or that or like
1: what was what was The first record for you that you were like, what the fuck? Like, you're staring at the speaker.
0: Okay. So, like, the very traditional one was Blink-182, Enema of the State. Yeah, classic. Because it was the first album that wasn't radio pop music. But my point is what I'm getting at
1: is that, like, there are moments in my life where I'm, like, you know, like, one of my biggest influences is Sublime. Like I learned a lot about life through Sublime. <laughs> but recently it's been 100 gecks. Dude. Yeah.
0: Get me fucking started on 100 gecks.
1: Yeah, I, had, I was in LA. I had a session with Dylan um, Yeah. and I went to a studio in, in downtown LA and we were just smoking weed, talking and stuff like that. And he was like, dude, do you want to hear Edm skull? And I was like, yes, dude. So, And he presses play. Like, I think he just got like the uh, mix or something or whatever and presses play and it's stupid horse. And I'm just staring at the fucking speaker. Just like, what the fuck is this? And I'm like, this is insane. This is amazing. Like how, I was just like, how do you tell, like, like I was just so yes. enamored. Um, yes. And then, you know, they dropped that album and it just blew my fucking mind. And that was really like that to me, it was like one of the most important records in my life right now.
0: Dude. Okay. I get, I get your question. And my answer to that was my moment when I was working at the record label and I was like, so over it. And then I heard there was an artist called nothing nowhere that I heard. Oh yeah. It was doing really cool stuff. Yeah. 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 So that one was like a whoa. And then through that in a chain of events, I met, who, who later on became closer, but uh, 93 Feet of Smoke and Shinagami, oh, who were two artists in that scene. And, like, 93's production and, like, what he could do with 808s and sound yeah. was my staring at a speaker moment yeah. where I was just like, wait, this is every sound and genre and thing I love happening at the same time. Yeah. And you made this on your computer. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And funny enough, I met Dylan B- Brady through him. True. True. That's crazy. But, yes, 100 Gex and that. Like, I... like homie single-handedly made a genre with his 808s and samples like yeah yeah i have met him a
1: bunch before that and i've always just thought like i i know him through one of our guys that like mixes a bunch of stuff for me um this guy jeff ellis and okay. um, he introduced us and um we always talk about we would always talk about it's like dude dylan's a fucking star like like what is he doing producing other people you know what i'm saying like but like it, it, it takes him to get there you know what i'm saying then yes. then hit him and laura like come out with that fucking album and you're just like what the fuck dude. it's changed my life it was a hundred GEX, and then this other guy scarlord when i heard, oh, yeah. first heard scarlord i saw him at a Heart festival. Attack? yeah and i was like yeah dude this is this is the new this is the new generation right now and this guy that actually i've been working with a lot his name's tim randolph and he's been fucking killing it right now and he produced a lot of the Weathen stuff or like executive produces it and um does a lot of stuff with like you know weird like just crazy sound stuff um but yeah that's you know it's not coming from a punk band or you know a rock band and then transitioning into this world is, it's been pretty funny you know
0: <laughs> yeah dude well dude i like so deeply relate cuz i was like warp tour kid working at equal vision and then i was like this is so boring yeah and then it was like full pivot and it's just exciting again yeah And that's like, that was the whole feeling I had with you where I was like, I think he's more than just rock. So like this right now, I'm like, fucking yes. It's just chasing that inspiration, man. Instead of
1: just being like, I have to write a song on guitar. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm like, dude, I can fucking note bend shit and fucking warp shit and run it through fucking all these crazy plugins. And I can spark an idea just through that. You know what I'm saying? So there is yes. like another level of this shit where I'm like, okay, the production is such an important part of it. But then I'm also like a songwriter. I need to write
0: songs, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah. And just being inspired by that. And that's like, again, like that 100 Gex thing where it's just like, they so beautifully broke rules. They did it's such like, a good job breaking rules.
1: Yeah. Then Poppy. I love Poppy's last record that came out i was just like fuck yeah dude somebody somebody's doing it you know what i'm yes. saying like somebody's yes. doing it like there's still this thing in me where i just love playing fucking loud rock and roll music live you know yeah but when it comes to the studio i'm just like i am not gonna fucking mic a guitar amp <laughs> yeah. yeah i am gonna but like that honestly shit thank straight you in
0: <laughs> yeah but like, on, like thank up. you right <laughs> like who the fuck wants to hear that right now yeah. uh, maybe 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 we are biased right maybe there is the level of like this is what we're excited about and anybody listening to this that was an og fiddler fan or like doesn't get it they're just like no that's dumb you're ah! wrong like that's fine but with like, like do you have okay so that's what you're doing on your side Dream world, like, are there artists that you wish you were producing? Like, is there is there a side that you want to get more in on now as a producer? I love the new generation. Meaning, I,
1: I, I was working on this song, like, right when COVID hit, right? Just acoustic guitar, yeah. vocal. I sent it to my friend Hannah Vu, amazing artist. She's, like, 20 or something like that. And she added all this stuff on it. And I'm like, whoa, this is not the right key, but it works. You know what I'm saying? And like, I just love the thought process of like, there's just no, you don't have to fucking follow the chord progression. You don't have to follow the scale. One note, a half step, half steps are fucking sick, dude. Like, it's just like the new generation on how they look at music is so inspiring to me that I'm like, I'm all in it. I'm all in it. No more fucking six weeks in a studio making a fucking rock record. (laughs) You know,
0: we're going to go to a
1: fucking Airbnb somewhere and bring our speakers and fuck that shit up. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. And it's like, I'm so, I'm truly so happy that I'm talking to you. And I'm like, we're talking about this because I think that your past experience and everything that you know and you have accomplished and learned when you combine that with also embracing what the next generation is doing really cool shit can happen Yeah. because I do like, I super agree, like break the rules, fuck it, do whatever you want. But I also have this thing of like, if you have an open mind, you can learn a lot of cool shit from other generations and other types of artists so if the right, like you having everything that you've done, having written the music you have combine with the next generation, like that's another opportunity for magic to happen and the genres to be pushed again.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we are living in that era right now. It's post genre We're there's, yep. you know, when I was a kid, we had to go to the hip hop section, the funk section the, 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 the for CDs and shit like that. But now with Spotify and YouTube, it's just, we can find anything we want, you know? Yep. Yeah, it's just pretty, it's pretty beautiful. Like, I mean, I think this is the most exciting time to be in music right now.
0: I agree. And everybody's like that, talks
1: about like, oh, I wish I was in the 90s. I wish I was in the 70s or the 60s. I'm like, fuck that, dude. Like,
0: yeah, right now is the coolest time in music, dude. I completely agree. And on top of that, like, it's also some of the best opportunity because now like Spotify and streaming, like you can be an independent artist, have an idea, make something honest, make something that people happen to care about, upload it and pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's not gatekeepers anymore. You can just drop your own music videos. You don't need to wait. Like when's the last time that there was a premiere that mattered?
1: Exactly. When's the last time
0: you're like, oh my God, this premiered on this site and yeah. changed my life. Like, yeah,
1: that era is done. That era is done. Right. Which is good. It's supposed yes. to be done. That, that's, it's like capitalism, right? Like you got fucking oil and shit like that, but, but whoa, whoa, we got like fucking Priuses now. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's hybrid that shit. Let's fucking, let's, let's level up. Let's keep going. Like, let's not look back. Let's go, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, like you can shake a stick at it and remember when you were the most successful and had like your glory days or you can just embrace it and like push boundaries and keep things going. Yeah. And another part of music that I think is about to be so exciting is like, right? Yeah. Like this year touring's kind of screwed. Yeah. But like uh Brockhampton took yeah. 100 gecks out, right? Yeah. Like touring, a lot of these new artists that are pushing boundaries haven't really properly started touring. And I think that that level, because like, again, we talked about how fun and how like cool touring can be. So like not only for these artists, this next wave who haven't experienced touring to go out and to like get that perspective and that inspiration, but also to start blending genres in touring and like, you know, Fiddler, like you could take out anyone you want. Yeah. And like, I think that things like that are so cool. Or like on my side, I did like the version three tour, which was like a lot of the kids that I told you about, like 93 and Shinigami and garden and all these kids that had never toured before. And all of a sudden, like seeing, seeing the, the fans that would show up moshing and losing their minds and bringing that energy that I remember. I'm like, Oh my God, it's happening again. Yeah. So like all of that combined, I I agree. Like music is so exciting right now.
1: Yeah. It's this, it's great. I I mean, like, it's uncomparable to anything that's ever happened in the history of the world, you know. Like, and and, and even like, like how the fuck would that? How the fuck would we wouldn't have Brock Hampton if it wasn't for fucking like looking into the future, meeting up on a fucking Kanye West message board. Hey, like that's just dude. Like that's how it's supposed to be. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, and I, I mean. They're like one of my favorite artists, too. That was insane, insane yes. inspiration. Um, but yeah, it's just, and you know, you just don't need to be on the road the way we did it. Like, what? yeah, you yeah? Just don't need to do that anymore. There's, there's data. You can look on the back end on data. Look, look at your Spotify. Like, where are people listening to me? Let's go play there. Whoa! Instead of, oh, we got to do fucking three months national America tour. It's just like, no, nah, COVID broke that shit. We're done. Well,
0: that you just kind of fucked my head up there. So like when you come back to touring, will you come at it from a different approach? It's like, fuck the cities that don't care. I'm going to go where Not I even to fuck go. the
1: cities that don't care. It's just like, use the technology and don't be afraid of it. You know, like I'm okay with not fucking going to kansas and playing lawrence anymore you know what I, i'm I'm totally fine doing that yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying but like i still do love playing music i still do love playing live and you know a show is such a fucking unique experience especially for fiddlelar. it's it's just like such a crazy energy it's just things have to change you know and we have to look towards the future and the future is here right now
0: I like that a lot. Like, again, I think you're a really important piece of music evolving because you have the platform of fiddler and like, you can show a lot of the next generation, like how fun and cool, like a loud ass guitar and a live show is, yeah. but then you can also say this needs to change in advance and here's how we're going to do it for this next round. And you'll work with the right people. And like, that's It's so important. Like, I, I, it's so fucking cool. (laughs) Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, for real. So to conclude this, if you are an artist listening to this right now and you're like, yes, I'm new at this and I'm trying everything and like you've been in the game, you've done it, you've grinded, you've worked at the studio, you've played the unnecessary shows, you've seen rock get stale. I hope it's not too broad, but what is your advice to the next generation of musicians and people that... I think are very important that need to be heard and found. You don't need this shit. For if you're listening and not watching, he's pointing to some guitars on a wall.
1: Yeah, you don't need fucking compressors and EQs and fucking gear. You, You don't, you need a laptop. You need a laptop with fucking, just fucking garage band slaps, dude. Like it's anything, anything to get you to where you want to be. And that's what I would say. It's just fuck the whole like stigmas of like, oh, we got to be a three piece and we have to do and all this shit. Like it doesn't need to be like that anymore. You know, I just think really we're going to start seeing a huge flux of amazing and we already are of amazing music coming out from Very, very creative people on fucking PC laptops, fucking going for it. You know, like,
0: yeah, yeah. It's almost like you don't need all the tools, but maybe more so, you need the inspiration. Like, you you need the inspiration,
1: and you need the drive. The drive is like, like there was no option for me. You know what I'm saying? I think that has a lot to do with the drug addiction and the trouble I would. Was getting in, it was like I'm either going to go this way or I'm going to go this way. It's like I'm going to choose this way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, just because you have to have that drive and you have to not give a but what people think about it?
0: Yeah, because it's like I, that. That's interesting. That's probably the downside to this new generation or this new wave is there's so many options and there's so much feedback, like instant feedback and in response to anything you put out that you need the thick skin and focus of like i am like i believe in this vision or i have this creative idea and i'm going to do it and if people do or don't like it it doesn't matter i'm going to keep doing it and i'm not going to get distracted yeah. that's probably more important than any of the gear and shit now
1: 100% 100% you know it's 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 yeah i mean you just nailed it it's more
0: it's more important to just
1: fucking do it
0: <laughs> yeah which is funny. You like accidentally did it, right? Like back in your day, like you did it. It wasn't a formula, but you just fucking did it.
1: I was talking to my friend last night. He was like, yeah, you, you just like, don't fall down. You just like fall up. I'm like, ah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <I'm> just falling <laughs> up.
0: That's but so it's funny.
1: But it's just, it's the, the things that what I'm trying to get at is like, what you also, what you're hearing is probably not what most people aren't going to are going to hear anyways you know so it doesn't matter just make shit put that shit out dude like fucking go you know
0: that's so fucking cool it's it's just it it hits different coming from you because you have the experience and you have the success to say that and have solid ground to stand on right that's pretty shaky most of the time but you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from afar from my yeah. vision <laughs>
1: It's a shaky ground. A shaky ground, you know. I, 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 am sur- sur- surfing the ground, you know. Like it's...
0: <laughs> You surf too, right? I do.
1: I do. Crazy. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. My whole theory on that shit is like, gravity is hitting you constantly. Constantly, gravity is hitting you down. You're on concrete. You're on fucking land. You're just getting constantly beaten down by gravity. You get in the water, something happens. Gravity pushes you, and you're like you're kind of in space you know and every time i go surfing that's how i think of it i'm like i need to get off of this world i need to go unplug you know and be in space
0: fuck (laughs) (laughs) that was insane yeah
1: it's i got a lot of weird uh in here (laughs) yeah
0: it's like the like that, like you're accidentally just like super prolific. <laughs> no,
1: I don't know if it's prolific, but it's just you know, like even going back to like what advice to give or whatever is like don't be afraid about like creating your own little world and living in it. That's what I do is I have my own little world that I create in my head that words and melodies and instruments and sound effects or whatever, like and that's you know
0: me yeah and don't be scared to add add to that look at what happens when you believe in your world and when you aren't afraid to live in your world then you inspire another generation and another round of people to do the same and then cool shit keeps happening and people are inspired by that that doesn't happen if everyone's just following the lane the main whatever yeah I feel like we're going to keep talking in circles about like sort of life <laughs> philosophy stuff if we right, uh, if we keep doing this. But yeah. I like I think we really did the thing, dude. Like I it's awesome. There's was- something so magical to me about like I didn't know you. I didn't yeah. know you. I just had a feeling, and the fact that like we can see so eye to eye on the next generation of music and it's like this gives me hope. Like the fact that there's people out there that feel the same way and are pushing boundaries and limits, it's like this is everything. It's yeah. so Encouraging to hear it.
1: That's good, man. I'm I'm stoked. I'm stoked you reached out and we were able to do this.
0: Yeah, no, for real. Like it was truly an honor. And and I wasn't like I figured you would have a good a good story, but this was like above and beyond of like, oh, he's a real one.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks, dog. You too, bro. You too.
0: Yeah, for real. <laughs> Thank you. So there it is. Zach's story holy shit did i love that episode i love his perspective everything i hope you enjoyed it if you did for real do me a massive favor and share this episode with anyone else that might like it the podcast has grown purely off of word of mouth And episodes like this are really important to me, and I really want as many people to hear these episodes. So if you did like it, please share it with a friend. You can share it on social media as well. That's massive. I love reposting them. Outside of that, if you want to go above and beyond and support the show, that's always incredible. I opened up listener support, which is just whereareallmyfriends.com slash donate. Anything you want to contribute to the show helps. Obviously not necessary, but it just helps. Upgrade gear, keep the website up, keep it all going. It's cool. This podcast, the only reason this episode happened was a friend of mine really putting him on my radar. And I love discussions with people that I really don't know. So please shoot me messages. If you ever have ideas of guests or people that you're interested in, inspired by, I probably will be as well. And I probably want to talk to them. Please always DM me, suggest guests, all that stuff. I love hearing from you. All right, I'll be back next week with another episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. It is incredible.